Robert here from race to the kingdom.org uh, and race to the kingdom ministries. And we're continuing our multi-part series on death and life. And the, what you, it's a watering hole or a, uh, a, a fueling station for us. And today we're going to continue our talk. We're going to talk about baptism. Uh, the difference between being baptized by being dunked in water like John baptized or passing through water like the Israelites uh, did through the Red Sea or the De yeah, Red Sea or Dead Sea? Red yeah, sea. Red Sea. Red yeah. Sea. Yeah. Sorry. Um, uh, or being baptized with uh, by the Holy Spirit in blood and fire. And so very different idea of what baptism is. And, and again, back to sort of dispelling some of the, the myths uh, that have been, that kind of live around uh, being washed in water and what it means and what it means to our journey uh, as disciples of Christ and what it means to, you know, to attain or to, to be a part of God's kingdom. So there's my buddy Keith on the screen there to my left. I don't know what you guys can see. So uh, yeah. to, to my right, actually, as I'm looking at this. So Keith, um, you know, I, I got called. Uh, we talked about it a little bit in the last episode uh, when I was, I, I was 22 or 23 years old. I felt the the altar call. I went up and, and got, uh, raised my hand and walked up to the front of the Baptist church that I was at. And uh, a few weeks later, I, I, I went through the baptismal uh, that was behind the altar. They had an mm -hmm. in-house baptismal and um, that started a new life for me, right? That was the washing away of my old life and the beginning of my new life. Honestly, mm -hmm. I, other than being wet, I, didn't feel any different. And I can <laughs> say that, you know, for at least for my story, what happened after that wasn't all that much different than I think what was going to happen anyway. I didn't, mm. I didn't, I didn't do any, I don't feel like I did anything different. I don't feel like, um, I did have a, a, a presence or a, you know, we'll talk about it. We're going to do an episode kind of guys at one of these days on sort of our stories, Keith's story, my story. So you can kind of see where we're coming from and, and things, but you're going to get pieces of it as we go here. So I'd, I'd always felt a tug in my life and I tried to follow that tug. I feel, feel like now that I know what's going on, that that tug was, was the Holy spirit pulling me a direction. And I, I've done, I feel like pretty well in my life spiritually compared to many others because I, I was willing, I was always willing to or almost always willing to follow that tug. So maybe that day I got that tug, but other than that, I mean, if you looked at the way we played softball on the Vista Grande Baptist church softball team. Yeah. That, that baptism didn't do much for me. <laughs> <laughs> we were the bad boys of the, uh, yeah. of the, of the Colorado Springs, uh, youth softball league. So, um, right. yeah. And things yeah. like that. So, so let's, let's talk about the myth of baptizing, uh, from your perspective and the reality of baptizing or baptism from the kingdom perspective. Yeah, no, I, I, I really think this issue has become, uh, too big of an issue. Uh, in the church, and we do need to get back to the the foundational understanding of the difference between the old covenant um, and the new, and how that was shown throughout the teachings of Jesus and shown throughout the teachings of the New Testament epistles. So the idea of external methods of pleasing God. So whether it's rituals, ceremonial cleansings, um, baptisms with water, 
um, and their effectiveness over what really pleases God, which is a devoted life, a pure heart, um, worshiping him in spirit and in truth. The idea of an internal understanding of outward, you know, life that pleases him instead of coming from the outside and thinking that it's going to please God from the heart. So I could sprinkle as much water on my body as I want. And most churches identify that, I would say, as just a commitment of an internal reality that you get to express to the congregation that that's what happened on the inside. I've been cleansed from the inside, and so I want to show that on the outside. But quite frankly, there are many, many denominations that take that even further. And they actually say, unless you're baptized in water, you're not saved. Mm -hmm. You know, you have not been delivered from darkness to light, and you can't be a part of our church unless you do this. And you have to do it specifically with immersion instead of being sprinkled. And so some churches make, um, you know, very much like Paul taking a stand against circumcision of the flesh. And he says, hey, guys, listen, the circumcision of your outward flesh does nothing to resist the temptations of the flesh. Right. Like, like you said in softball. <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> that, that water, you know, it felt it felt pretty good that day, but uh, it, it didn't really matter on the softball field. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same thing that Paul's saying with circumcision. He's saying, "Hey, guys, that's not going to do anything to please God because you've been circumcised on the outside. What you need is a circumcised heart, and that will please God." And so, again, very, very important understanding about baptism. We're not going to keep you from um, demonstrating what's happened on the inside and being a testimony. You know, what, if you what does Paul like, say that 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 if you know he kind of there's a phrase, there's a, a place, and I think Romans, I think, where he talks about you know that I, it, baptizing doesn't matter. But if I need to be or I'm not baptized, but circumcision, but if I need to be circumcised to speak with the people I'm speaking with, then I will circumcise myself. If I need to be something else to those to be appealed to to get God's word to those people, to other people, I will be that person as long as it's not in conflict. Right. Um, yeah. And, and that's what he did to Timothy, you know, yeah, after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's her. Yeah. That's right. After explaining to, you know, to the church that it wasn't uh, beneficial to the inward parts of the heart, mm -hmm. which matter most to God, he did it in order to become all things to all people, and particularly the Jews, so that Timothy would be in right standing with the Jews so he could be a witness to the Jews, because they wouldn't listen to him unless uh, he followed that ritual. So even though he knew that it wasn't anything to God, he knew it was something to the Jews. And so he needed to go ahead and do it in order to really get to the substance mm -hmm. with them. And, and so that's, that's giving up, you know, that's giving up our rights and understanding what's crucial and what's not crucial. Okay. And so for us, we're not trying to keep you from being a testimony to others on the outward expression, but we do want you to understand very clearly that only by the power of the Holy Spirit and the way that Jesus has promised baptism can we be pleasing to God. And, and so that's what we're going to go through with some of the verses that we're going to bring up. Is there any correlation that you know of, any correlation between being baptized and the arrival of the Holy Spirit? Is it, yeah, does he not gonna... arrive until we, we're baptized, or does he arrive <laughs> when after? Or, you know, I mean, when, yeah. when Jesus was baptized, 
mm-hmm. right? In Matthew, yeah. in the beginning of Matthew, we, the the dove landed. I assume that was the Holy Spirit, representative of the Holy Spirit. So yeah. he he received the Holy Spirit when he was baptized. Is there any correlation between that for us? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see some changes in there, and and it and it shows you that it's a non-issue. So we're going to see that the issue that is vital is receiving the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So, so we're going to show you through the book of Acts that it was crucial that even though certain people were baptized in the baptism of John the Baptist, mm-hmm. they didn't receive the Spirit and they knew nothing about the Spirit. Right. And so they actually had to go to them to impart the Spirit to them so that they would receive the baptism of the spirit because they knew that the baptism of the water would do them no good in the new covenant offering. Okay. And that offering is the race to the kingdom. And so we're going to show you again, what it means to be a disciple being sanctified and cleansed by the power of the Holy spirit rather than, by the ceremonial okay, applications, and one of those being just the baptism of water. In fact, Peter, again, states this in the book of Peter, and I'll just read this real quick because this is pretty obvious, but in, I'm in First Peter chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 18. It says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to get put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, but not, that's really an important but not, as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with the angels and authorities and powers, having been subjected to him. So again, Jesus uh, telling us, you know what, I must go because it's a benefit to you. Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. And so this whole idea of needing the Holy Spirit for the calling in which we've received to please God in this race to the kingdom. And that the, the building of the ark with Noah was a was a part of the obedience that led to getting in the ark and floating above the water okay and that the water is a symbol of the cleansing that is now being performed through the holy spirit is peter's whole point he's saying it's it's not about the washing of water on, on the skin has everything to do with a new life in christ because of his resurrection and that comes by the Holy Spirit now being given to you. And you can now live this authoritative life in Christ because he's seated at the right hand of God and he has all authority. You're no longer a slave to that old life or to that old covenant. And so this is the message. And so we're going to just, you know, go through a few verses just to point this out and make this clear to you. And we've kind of put them in a in a sequence here, um, and starting with Matthew three verse eleven, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals are not worthy to carry. He will immerse you, baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So notice notice the combination here. Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor. So notice what the purpose of the Holy Spirit and fire is. 
to clear the threshing floor, okay, to get rid of the chaff and to create wheat. So we have um, a note here about fire, you know, that was uh, continuously called to be burnt, you know, uh, in the temple, in the tabernacle, you know, right there as a symbol. And that's where the priests made these offerings. And, uh, you know, we've all heard of the burnt offerings. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I just want to make one quick association about the offerings. There's one place in scripture that we are called to offer ourselves in a very peculiar way that relates to this burnt offering. And that is Romans chapter 1 and 2, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So again, we have another opportunity to make an association to the symbolism of the old covenant and now to the reality of the new covenant god is saying do you want to please me offer your whole self to me in obedience to me walk in the power of my spirit okay this is the new covenant you're no longer a slave to the old you are now a new creation so walk as a new creation and we're going to show you that and that's really why the Spirit came as a tongue of fire in Pentecost. So we, we see that a tongue means, you know, to speak. Mm -hmm. And this fire is a refining fire that even Peter goes in to say is, you know, our faith is more precious to God than gold and silver. And he is in the refining business. <laughs> So he's going to refine us like gold and silver. He's going to take us through a process. And so, again, the Holy Spirit comes as fire to refine our faith. The word of God is mentioned in Ephesians chapter 5 as a, um, you know, Jesus's cleansing his bride with his words. So we are also to cleanse our wives in the word of God. So we have a cleansing and refining going on. And this is accomplished by the Holy Spirit that comes within us to remind us of all the things Jesus has said. Okay, He's our counselor. He's our guide. He's our spirit of truth. We understand that this washes us. It becomes what he says to Nicodemus becomes, or to the woman at the well, becomes in us a well, and it wells up to overflowing. It cleanses us from the inside out and refines our heart like fire, refines our faith like fire. So both of these are essential to understanding in the new baptism. Now, at the concordance, what's interesting to me is we've got bap baptizo in the Greek up here and bab baptisei baptise is that how you say that i, I don't know how to spell it's, yeah it, it's actually the same concordance word just used in a, a different way so so we have oh i see we, yeah so 907 and 907 so it's the same word yeah, that's right right but one of the things you've taught me too is down here below there is the f P-I-A on baptize mm. versus V-F-I-A on will baptize. Tell us yeah. what that the difference there is. Yeah, so in the verbs, you you do have a, um, a mood and a voice and a tense. And so just reading that across ways, you know, the verb is present indicative active in the way that you were baptized uh, with water, with repentance, because that was actually currently going on. So okay. in the book of Matthew with John the Baptist, he was baptizing with water. Mm -hmm. And he uh, will we'll note here the differences between his and Jesus's baptisms.
but there is going to be a baptism in the future. Right. And, and that is written as a verb in the future indicative active. And so it's a fact. Indicative means fact. And uh, it will be something that will happen. And so it'll be with the spirit. And, um, and so one of the things that I want us to look at in, um, in here, and I think it might be in the next uh, verse, but what it means to cleanse. So, yeah, so he will clear the, the threshing floor and he will gather the wheat of him into the barn, but the chaff he will burn up with fire unquenchable. Yeah, so this, this, um, you know, this idea of threshing floor is, of course, the winnowing of the wheat where the hot air passes through it and it takes the chaff away. So the wind being the Holy Spirit. That was very uh, indicative to the Holy Spirit, like Jesus told Nicodemus. You know, the, the Holy, all those born of the Spirit are like the wind. You don't know where it comes from and where it's going. Mm -hmm. And so the wind, you know, blows through the wheat in order to remove. Well, what's it removing? It's removing the sin. It's removing the, the, the uncleanness. And it's mm -hmm. making us clean. And so this is an important understanding when it comes to the cleaning work of the Holy Spirit. All right, so we're going we're gonna to switch over, guys, to concordance, and we're going to talk about cleanse. Uh, so uh, back again, if you haven't used the concordance, you know, at, there's several concordances out there. I think there's eight different ones, but basically this is a, um, a reference guide, and you can bring up, uh, we use Bible Hub, uh, is what you're seeing on your screen, BibleHub.com. But you can dig into the Hebrew, the the um, the Greek, the English syntax, and look at uh, so Hebrew and Greek especially were very affected by the situation in the in the sentence. Um, you know, the word meant something slightly different depending on context. So, and I know Cleef wants to look at wants to look at the idea of cleanse or clear in this case, right? He will clear. So, yeah. uh, which so is we have a, we have a word that um, is talking about the spirit that is needing to come and to mm -hmm. clear the threshing floor. Right. And it, it, it's actually a word that also means cleanse. And so he's going to hit on it. We're going to show cleanse to cleanse thoroughly, mm -hmm. okay? Which again, we're we're showing you what the role of the Holy Spirit really is in baptism. Mm -hmm. The role of the Holy Spirit in baptism with with the Spirit and fire means that His role is to cleanse thoroughly, and so and this is written. In the active tense, it's an ongoing, continual thing that we should be participating in every single time that we receive the word of God and we feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit in any area of our life that we're not obeying the word of God and we enter into repentance, okay, for the forgiveness of sin and that cleanses us from all unrighteousness when we confess our sins and then we're now able to pick back up with the spirit of god and run our race mm -hmm. we're ever to be we're able to be led by the spirit of god and now we're able to walk out and live out our race to the kingdom and that is through sanctification so just to show you that this was always called to be a disciple who is filled with the spirit and going to make disciples and helping one another live in the instruction and to increase and mature and refine our faith and to be cleansed and to continue cleansing one another. Okay. Which is a, a, a really big, um, 
you know, uh, encouragement in the scriptures that we should be doing to one another, even confessing our sins to one another uh, in the book of James, chapter 5. And uh, uh, James goes on to say that, you know, saving a brother from sin is, is what the definition of love is. So it's, it's a really powerful understanding. Um, so we wanted to kind of bring that to your attention. Yeah, it's um, it, it, what struck me in over the last, you know, as we, as you and I have talked about this and stuff is this, this active thing, right? So it's, it's, it's not, you weren't cleansed once again, back by being dunked in the river or being dunked, you know, uh, uh, by having water sprinkled on you or whatever you, the Holy spirit being, uh, indwelling in us is in the active pursuit, the active action of continually cleansing, right? We're, we're removing essentially one layer of dirt at a time. Uh, you know, as soon as we figure out that we've got something licked, whatever it is that he's working on, on you or I right now with, we get through with that. Then we find out there's something else that we need to be working on to continue that path towards being his disciple, towards being him, right? I mean, our, our goal with being his disciple is to do all that we can be to be Christ, right? That's, that's a disciple's job. Yeah, and, and it's actually the judicial path unto righteousness. So it's, and we're going to explain this in another episode, but, um, you know, most people think that Jesus can be your complete substitute uh, while you're on trial for murder or whatever offense that you've made and you're sitting there in the, um, the courtroom and, you know, you're, you're being tried. And Jesus comes in and says, hey, nope, I'm going to go ahead and take that guy's punishment. Go ahead and set him free. Right. And so that idea is really a, an abomination to what the gospel really is. And so when Jesus uh, pays the fine and takes the debt that we could not pay without completely giving up our whole existence, okay, for, for all eternity and being separated from the promises of God. And, and, and so because of what he's done, he invites us now to be a new creation. And so he gives us everything we need to go back into society and to be sanctified, to go now and be rehabilitated, mm -hmm. okay, which is what we would do with, with most people that uh, are, have misdemeanors in, and tell them, you know, you need to pay your fine and then you need to go and you need to take defensive driving if you were a reckless driver. Yeah. Okay, you, you you need to go do what's necessary. So right, so to become a, a good part of society again to be a, to become a yeah. proper. You you've been rehabilitated. You need to now be a a profitable or a a good part of society, right? Yeah. So when Jesus pays our fine and he says, "I've now given you the Holy Spirit for this rehabilitation process." <laughs> yeah. This is the sanctification process. He right. will cleanse you. He will. He will refine you. He will mature you. You won't be who you were. You now have the power to live a different life. So I'm not putting a criminal back into society. <laughs> so yeah. you know, without the ability to be a good person and to be a new person. Mm -hmm. And so, but it takes your participation. You're still held accountable. Mm -hmm. um, and this becomes the idea <laughs> in the spirit and I think it's really important now to segue into the, the warnings of now what it means to be running this race in the spirit and to also be told that we can fall short, mm -hmm. that we cannot participate in the spirit, that, that, you know what, there are some warnings that, you don't want to grieve the spirit. You do not want to fall short in the spirit. 
there are many uh, warnings in the scriptures to the church not to do this. Right. Okay. And and some of them are pretty stringent, and they need to be they need to be properly understood. And and so we're going to go to uh, the book of First um, Corinthians chapter nine, and and so that. We want to remind ourselves of what Paul is addressing to the church, and he's wanting to make sure that um, he wins people into this race. And do you know that in a race, all runners run, but only one receives the prize, run in such a way to obtain it. So again, we've equated that with the inheritance to the Mm -hmm. church that is um, vital to, um, to the kingdom understanding. And then every athlete exercises self-control. So this sounds like I need the Holy Spirit for something. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I don't box as one beating the air, but I discipline. There's your disciple. Mm -hmm. I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I should be disqualified. Disqualified from receiving the prize from receiving the inheritance and so he uses an example for us and so we will go to chapter 10 and we will actually read one through five and this has everything to do with a baptism and i want us to see this it says for i do not want you to be unaware brothers that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into moses in the cloud, and in the sea. And they all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Okay, it's, it's really been no different in the attempt to receive the promised inheritance in every dispensation. And that was our very first fueling station that we went over mm-hmm. that it, it's it's an attempt to receive the inheritance and Moses tried to get him there okay Joshua got him into there but didn't last and same with every dispensation but now we have Christ and I need to I need you to know something I need you to know that they all drank from the rock that was Christ, but never, nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. And so again, we are racing in Christ for the prize, and Paul is using this as an example of being overthrown in the wilderness, even we'll after being baptized. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is key, but we absolutely have to participate in that baptism. So um, why don't we read? Uh, why don't we read the next few verses? And Paul is saying to the church that this is an example for us. And so, um, Robert. Do you want to pick it up and read yeah, those? Yeah, sorry. I, I was being infiltrated by felines, and uh, my <laughs> wife was shooing the felines out. So I uh, apologize for that. Um, now these things took place as example for as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, these things happen to them as an example, but they are written down for our instructions on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, mm. not therefore let no anyone who thinks that he stands that he stands take heed, lest he fall. No temptation has over, overtaken you that is not uncommon to man, 
God is faithful and he will let you be tempted beyond, he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Yeah. And, and this so is one just, of my favorite, I got to, I got to, I got to throw out an opine here. Cause I've, I've said this before in some yeah. of the, uh, the campfires and things that I go to with some of the, the guys around here. And that's just, how did the people who came out of Egypt can see these, you know, I mean, all these wonders that, that God did for them and keep failing over and over, you know, it, you, he parted the Red Sea, and yet they still, they still went away, right? They still wandered. They, yeah. He yeah. brought food for them every morning, and yet they still, right? They, he brought water out of rocks. He, it, it just, you know, he, he, the cloud that it refers to is the is, you know, he was present amongst them as a cloud all the time that they were in the wilderness. There was a cloud over the temple, right? I mean, there were yeah. things there that that signs and wonders that just blow me away that they still fornicated with the uh was it the Moabs or one of the nearby tribes when they were close to one of their borders, the women came over and they married some of them and they they started uh you know worshiping to their idols. They they rose up against, uh, and that's when twenty three of them, three twenty three thousand of them were, were put to death in one day. Um, you know, they 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 whined and complained and stuff, and so God sent serpents among them. I mean, you know, you just read the stories, and if you just read those, and you just go, guys, how many times can you screw this up? How many <laughs> how many you know? But but then you throw it forward, as Paul is saying here, and say, how many times can I screw this up? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. How many times can I keep doing what Christ is working on me, what the Holy Spirit is working on me not to do anymore? How many times can I keep doing that? How many times can I keep swearing or screaming at my kids or or pornography or whatever it is that that you that I'm being asked to deal with? How many times can I keep not doing what the Holy Spirit says that I should be doing and and still expect to, you know, to be growing in Christ? Right. Yeah, one of the one of the things that you bring up is actually put very succinctly in Romans chapter seven, when Paul is saying, "I do the things I don't want to do, and the things that I want to do, I keep from doing." Who can save me, O oh, wretched man that I am? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, it breaks out into the new covenant offer of the Holy Spirit, and now the accountability of running this race well. And, and Paul is saying, you know what? I have the power now to beat my body and make it a slave. Mm -hmm. I have the power now to, you know, live in the Holy spirit and run this race effectively and not be disqualified. And let me tell you something. It's a, it's a mission that I am committed to accomplish. So it's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee that that all of us will not fall in the wilderness, but it is a guarantee that we're not going to hell when we fall for eternal fire for all eternity. We've already hopefully um, explained that in great detail. Mm -hmm. But as a great coach is telling you that at the end of the season, you know, our goal is to make it to nationals and to win the to win the prize and you know it's the same idea with the inheritance and one of the things that we really want to to emphasize to the church and to the body of Christ is how big a deal this is <laughs> because in Paul makes such a big deal about it you know it's it's such a paranoia to him in the church that we're not going to make it and we're not when we're going to fall away and we're going to fall short and we're going to be cut off and just like the examples he keeps trying to as a good coach he keeps trying to um put the put the prize out there so our eyes don't tarry from it 
and then he keeps warning us what happens if we do. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, one of the things that amazes me about Paul, I mean, because you know, uh, he's he's afraid he's not going to make it himself, let alone the team, right? The churches and stuff, right? Yeah. He's concerned that even he will fall short, right? And and you know whether that's just um, self-deprecation or realization that this is really really hard. Um, it's hard to, you know, I, I don't know if I, I have the education yet to tell, but, um, but the fact of the matter is, 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 is it is really, really hard, right? This is not, you know, anybody yeah. that's ever achieved in a sports realm, a state championship or, you know, or something like that, right. Or, you know, knows that the path to that achievement is really hard. And it takes a tremendous amount of commitment from everybody involved to make it that far, right? And 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 that's really that's really the race, right? It's that it's that I'm running my own race, you're running your own race, but we're running that race together as well, right? Yeah, so right. we're we're competing, yeah, we're if you will. Against, we're uh, not competing against each other. We're actually no. trying to help one another because our our enemy is a totally different competitor, and yeah. he yeah he is the Satan that is trying to prevent you from getting this prize at the end of the race. It almost seems like it's like a it's like a golf team, right? You're we're competing. Everybody's competing individually against the course, but we're also competing as a team like a college team, you know, a golf team uh, against another, you know, uh, with each other, I mean, together against the course. Right. So, yeah. so that we can win yeah. the prize. Right. So I've been right. trying to figure out what sport best fits this. And, and maybe this is the best one that I, this is so far the best one I've come up with, but because, you know, you have an individual award that you're trying to get, right. You know, the score, but, I, but if, if as, you know, the university of Texas, I'm also working with you and my other teammates to be the the best team, right? And if mm. you know whether you whether I tell you how to fix your swing, and you beat me, or or I don't, could be the difference in us winning as a team, right? Man, Keith, you're opening up on that on your backswing, and and that's causing you to slice, and you're like, oh crap, you're right, I fixed that, and yeah. suddenly we're you know now you and I are competing you know, together in a, in a way that is bringing glory to our team. And that's, that's the other half of the race, right? We're doing this individually. We're doing this with the Holy spirit, but we're also doing this. You and I, me and my buddy, Jim, me and my other friends that I, I hang out with in this world. We're doing that together with, with them as well. Yeah, but you won't be um, judged at Judgment Day collectively. You'll be right. judged individually. Mm -hmm. And so, it, again, it's really important to know both applications, like you're saying, because mm -hmm. in order for you to be successful in your race, it's a command to help others. <laughs> right. So you're actually not running your race well at all if you're not trying to help others live a life pleasing to God. Right. And so, you know, that was the whole problem with um, an experience that I came into in the church where, you know, the leadership was not taking the, the sin and the leaven that had come into the church seriously saying, oh, we're just forgiven, let's just keep the peace, you know, and I'm saying, and I'm saying, hold on a second, that's not the story of the Bible, we're actually supposed to be loving our neighbor and loving each other into cleanliness, into racing, into receiving the prize, mm -hmm. and so this was really missed, it was really missed in salvation understanding.
And so this is why we really want to bring it back to you. And I want to dispel another quick little pitfall that this is not going to be a, a whole episode pitfall, but there've been a lot of, of um, I would say teaching teachers that would teach on the race that Paul was referring to and say that his disqualification was not a disqualification for the prize. Some people have actually taught that. They, they, would, they will say, I don't want to be disqualified in preaching to others. That if they see me living a bad life, you know, that means I wouldn't be qualified to preach to one another. I'd be disqualified in their eyes. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that that's not a true statement, but it's not true in this context. And it's also not true. You can, you can know that in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, when Paul goes on to state something about this. Okay, because his goal is for the church to get the prize. That's his whole goal. His whole goal is to get the prize. He wants to finish the ministry and the race that he was given as a good disciple and apostle of Jesus Christ. And we read that out of the book of Acts. We just got through going over that in the last mm -hmm. episode. And what, and so, what chapter or what, uh, what verses in Second Timothy? So 2 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to start in verse uh, 6. And Paul says in 4 verse 6, he says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. So Paul knows he's going to die. Mm -hmm. And he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but to all those who have loved, preferred, agapao, preferred his appearing. So again, you will prefer the judges appearing if you're ready for the judgment. And that's the whole point is that if you're running a faithful race, you will receive this prize. And Paul was, was saying he's assured now that he's going to receive it at the end of his race because he knows he's about to die. He knows he's completed his mission. He knows he has, he has run a good race. And so he's going to re receive the crown at the end of this race. And so I, I want to note something else that Robert brought up. Notice what he actually said. I finished my race. He wasn't competing against anyone else. He didn't win anything. He didn't win anything against another. No, I just, I have finished the. Yes. Race. So. We're all to finish it so we win the prize. We're not actually competing against one another. Mm -hmm. And so, like we just said, if you're actually running a good race, you're actually helping others win the same prize you're going after. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, you know, and actually just reading up here just a little bit, you know, and that's, it's right here, right? In, in five, you know, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, right? Fulfill your mission, fulfill your race. That's right. Right? Yep. That's exactly right. And so we'll just say amen to that because, you know, ultimately we want you to identify that we are actually in a race to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And there are real losses involved in the way we live our life right now that's not pleasing to God. And there is real gain for living a life that is pleasing to God and participating in the suffering that we have to go through to finish a race. I mean, 
trust me, any athlete knows that not only does the training it takes to go run a marathon, okay, mm -hmm. take a ton of training, but, but also it requires a absolute intestinal fortitude mm -hmm. to even finish that race once you start it. Right. Okay, that that the first part of the race is the easiest part. And then all of a sudden, you know, as you get into the middle part of this race and you start to fatigue and you start your muscles start to ache and your your spirit starts to wane. And hey, you know what? You they need call it, some. They call that hitting the wall, right? Hitting I, I don't, the wall. I, I've, yeah. I've never run a marathon. I, I clearly will never run a marathon. But I, I've heard of it. It's called hitting the wall, right? You hit that mental, right. physical wall, right? Where it all, uh, <laughs> everything comes together and says, dude, you're done. You uh, should just uh, stop now, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. Right. You know, yeah. and, and you've done enough. You know, you're in too much pain. Go ahead and stop. Mm -hmm. And so this, this understanding of also needing the people who are rooting you along on the side. Yeah. And they're, 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 handing you cups of water mm -hmm. those are our canteens <laughs> so our canteens on the racetrack is us handing you cups of water saying don't stop keep yeah. going let's let's keep going together <gasps> and so at any rate that's our that's our encouragement to mm -hmm. you is that you know this is this is the race we're in we need to see it to the finish line you know don't give up persevere mm -hmm. endure because yeah. it's worth it. It's yeah. worth it. You know, I, I, it's, you know, there's, you know, we've talked about the two edges of the coin, the libertine side of just do whatever you want. God, Christ died and we can do whatever we want. And the, 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 the fire and brimstone, hellfire brimstone side of just pure, you know, the, this, it, this is, you know, denial, denial, denial. And, and I have to walk this crazy extreme pharisaical path. And yeah. where there's a, the edge of the coin is, is in between those two. The narrow right? path. The narrow path. And this is something I'm particularly sensitive to. I've got a couple of friends who I've talked to about, you know, kind of what you and I are doing. And they're like, man, you're, are you saying that it, you know, works is the only way towards, you know, to, to salvation. And uh, I'm like, oh, no, that's, I mean, works are, are part of this. And, and there is, and Paul talks about it extensively. Paul probably talks about it more than any other apostle, um, that there is a path. There is something that we are supposed to do after we've received the, the Holy Spirit, after we were baptized with the Spirit, whenever that was, whether that was when you were dunked with water or whether yeah. that was when you were just sitting there on, you know, for me, it was sitting beside a stream talking to a tree at a boot camp um, was when I found it. Right. Mm -hmm. So whenever that happens, you are now tasked with a mission. You have a ministry, you have a choice, you have something that you're supposed to do. And it's pretty well laid out within the pages of the Bible. And that is what Keith and has come up with as the race. You are to become a disciple and to start understanding what a disciple, what it means to be a disciple, what, what it means to, I should, I have to do this. I have to talk with God. I got to learn how to, to bring God into my life every day. I have to learn how to, I need to learn through, I've been taught by some wonderful people in this world, how to have a conversational relationship with God. For me, it, it just exists mostly in my journal, but I can hear his voice when I sit and be quiet and and get to you know a spot where I know it's his voice and not somebody's else. It's because somebody's taught me to do that, uh, to to experience that. Um, and if you're watching this, Jay Heck, thank you very very much. Um, <laughs> and you know, and through you, I've learned to you know to read. The Bible and understand 
that the Old Testament really does mean something, and it's almost always skipped over. Um, and like Paul said in that in that verse which I just read, those are examples for us of, mm. in a lot of cases, what not to do, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, both. Yeah, everybody learn from somebody's mistakes, right? Um, and, and, and I do want uh, um, I do just want to tell everybody that on this racetrack, we will be hitting hard a fueling station because Robert brought it up, you know, is this work salvation? And, you know, that's such a monster topic in the church. It's yeah. such a huge topic. And I believe it's probably one of the most crucial of all our fueling stations to understand. Mm -hmm. So just, just as a precursor, you know, if you go read Revelation 2 and 3 about Jesus's evaluation of his church, of mm -hmm. his body, the very first verse of all seven churches is, I know your works. Okay. Yeah. And so to understand works as it pertains as the church in obedience to Christ is absolutely crucial. Mm -hmm. And to understand the work of Christ is absolutely crucial. So we don't want to mix up those two. We want you to identify those very clearly. Yeah. And so trust us, we will get there. We're going to dig Stay into it, guys. It's uh, yeah. I don't. We don't want to. We don't want to scare anybody away. Um, but we also want to make sure that you understand, and that's you know what, what this episode was really about. We're supposed to do something, guys. We're supposed to not just, you know, hey, showing up at church on Sunday and being a great person. That's all part of it. Absolutely, don't stop going to church. But you know, there's more to it. This is you know all this stuff about washing away your old life. It's real. You wash away your old life. You become somebody else. Um, you know, that disciple sitting at the foot of a rabbi, you know, and learning that's, that's not, you know, that's his whole life at that point. Right. It's not a, a part-time job. It's not something they just show up on Sunday and go, Hey rabbi, what are you going to teach me uh, for the next three hours? Um, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's observing that, that man's life and, and doing what you can to become your version of that man. We'll um, put a link down, uh, um, in the description somewhere, uh, to link up with a man named Ray Vonderlaan, who mm -hmm. walks through the Holy lands and shows you where Jesus walked. Mm -hmm. And he does a brilliant episode on what it means to be a Talmudim, mm -hmm. a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I would highly recommend this video. So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll put a link to that. Yeah, I watched that. That's it's amazing. Guys, uh, we've used up uh, more than enough of your time today. Um, I, I hope that you've taken this in the vein in which what was uh, offered, which is the love of Christ and the love of the Holy spirit. And um, if you have found any of this stuff disturbing, that's probably a good thing. Uh, <laughs> go dig into it. Don't take us uh, at our word for anything. Go mm. find it, find it yeah. in the Bible. Uh, find it in, I mean, the best place to find it is in the Bible. Keith and I had a discussion. We were going to kind of get into it, but, before we started this, which was, you know, sort of what made him dig into the Bible um, after reading, you know, stacks and stacks and stacks of books about the Bible. It's like, you know, I, I haven't really dug into the Bible. Um, mm. I'd never read it before. Uh, I did it once in a uh, last year and a, a, I started doing a uh, Bible in a year with Father uh, Frank, I think it is. No, Father Mike Schmidt. Uh, wonderful podcast. Uh, you know, parts of it every day. And he explains a lot of it. It was awesome. And then Keith and I started sitting down, and and there are so many layers to this. It's just astounding. There's never a book that once you start to understand it that you'll ever want to read to the depth that you'll want to read this. I it it 
it blows me away. Uh, <laughs> it really does. So, Keith, I'm going to uh, ask you for a really short prayer in closing, and uh, well, we'll guys see you guys on the next episode. Absolutely. So, go through you, Holy Spirit, to uh, thank you for being our guide, our counselor, our spirit of truth, and really the the seal that guarantees that we get to complete this process of sanctification to be pleasing to our God who died for us, who bled for us, who lived for us, who rose for us, who ascended for us, who is interceding for us. And we just thank you for the amazement of who he is and what he is offering. And we pray for the power of the Spirit right now to go and fill our listeners continuously so that they may run a faithful race and encourage others to do the same. And we pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. See you guys on the next episode, brothers. We'll be back. Bye.